بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the conversion of Umar ibn al-Khattab to Islam and we also spoke about the migration of a few of the early companions of the Prophet to Habasha to escape from the torture and the persecution that they were having to deal with on the hands of the Quraysh. After the conversion of Umar ibn al-Khattab to Islam, the kuffar of the Quraysh, the heads of the kuffar like Abu Jahl and Uqbah ibn Abi Mu'ayt and Utbah ibn Rabi'ah and other heads of Quraysh, they became desperate. They saw that Islam was getting stronger and stronger and they saw that more powerful people were now also accepting Islam like Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib and Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhumah. So they became so desperate. So Abu Jahl, he went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Abu Jahl, as we mentioned before, he was the worst enemy of Islam and the staunchest and strongest enemy of Islam. And he is known as the Fir'aun of this ummah. So Abu Jahl, the Fir'aun of this ummah, he went to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in front of the people publicly. And he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, if you continue to speak badly about our idols, if you continue to speak badly against Allah and Al-Uzza and Manat and Hubal and the other idols, if you continue to speak ill of them, then I will insult Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what Abu Jahl said to the Prophet ﷺ. You continue to speak badly about our idols and I will insult Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ was very surprised at this because these kuffar of the Quraysh, they believed in Allah. They worshipped idols alongside Allah and their false reasoning behind that they would say, مَا نَعْبُدُهُمْ إِلَّا لِيُقَرِّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ زُلْفَةً They said, we only worship these idols because they bring us closer to Allah. They are like an intermediary that draws us closer to Allah. So they believed in those idols and they believed that th those idols could bring harm and they could bring benefit and that they had power over them. They believed in those idols. But they believed that their creator and their sustainer was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ لَيَقُولُنَّ خَلَقَهُنَّ الْعَزِيزُ الْعَلِيمُ And if you were to ask them, these kuffar of the Quraysh, if you were to go to them and ask them who created the heavens and the earth, they would say, خَلَقَهُنَّ الْعَزِيزُ الْعَلِيمُ The mighty one and the knowledgeable one. Allah created them. And if you were to ask them who created them themselves, وَلَئِنْ سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَهُمْ if you were to ask them who created you, they would say Allah created us. So they believed in Allah, but they worshipped the idols 
with a false sense of justification that these idols would draw them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they believed in Allah as their creator. They believed in Allah as their creator. But still Abu Jahl, he said to the Prophet you continue to speak badly about our idols and I will insult Allah. So the Prophet of course, he was surprised at this. How can someone who believes in Allah insult Allah? What is this? It doesn't make any sense. But this was the desperation that they had reached, that they were willing to stoop to such a, a level to insult Allah who they themselves even believed in. Yet they were still ready to insult Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to stop the da'wah of the Prophet So the Prophet was surprised at this. And how can anyone stoop to such a low level to insult Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed regarding this وَلَا تَسُبُّ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَيَسُبُّ اللَّهَ عَدْوًا بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave an instruction regarding this type of a situation. Do not insult those that they worship besides Allah. Do not insult the idols. Because if you insult the idols, then they will insult Allah without knowledge. So to prevent this from happening, to prevent a person from insulting Allah, don't insult his idols. If speaking badly about the idols and if insulting the idols, if that will lead to people insulting Allah, then don't do it. Don't insult the idols. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this instruction. وَلَا تَسُبُّ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَيَسُبُّ اللَّهَ عَدْوًا بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ Do not insult those that they worship besides Allah because then they will insult Allah without knowledge. So this is an instruction that we have as well. When you're dealing with the kuffar, you're dealing with the idol worshippers, you don't go around insulting their idols. That is counterproductive. Instead of drawing them to Islam by doing that, you will actually make them angry and they will get emotional and perhaps they may insult Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is not from hikmah when you're giving da'wah to someone to go and just start insulting their idols. If that will lead to them insulting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, you argue with them in a good way. Argue with them in a good way. So this was the ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed regarding this pathetic attempt of Abu Jahl to try to stop the da'wah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One of the other VIPs or one of the other heads of the kuffar of the Quraysh was a man named Uqbah ibn Abi Mu'ayt. And Uqbah ibn Abi Mu'ayt, he thought that he could try a more diplomatic approach with the Prophet Instead of being harsh with him and instead of insulting him and instead of trying to force him to do what they wanted him to do, he thought he could take a more diplomatic approach and just talk with him over some dinner. So Uqbah ibn Abi Mu'ayt, he invited the Prophet ﷺ to have a meal with him. He invited the Prophet ﷺ to have dinner with him. And the Prophet ﷺ accepted his invitation. And this also teaches us something. It teaches us that when you have a chance to have a dialogue with someone where you can give them da'wah, then go ahead and accept that invitation. Even if a non-Muslim invites you and you see that as an opportunity to call that person to Islam, there is no problem with accepting that invitation. 
So Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayyat, who was one of the heads of the kuffar of the Quraysh, he invited the Prophet ﷺ for a meal. And the Prophet ﷺ accepted his invitation. When the Prophet ﷺ arrived at his house and he set the meal in front, the Prophet ﷺ said to Uqba, he said, I will not eat until you say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. I'll not eat until you say it. And it was considered a very, very dishonorable thing among the Arabs that you invite someone to your house for food and he leaves your house without eating anything. That was considered like a stain on your character. That this guy went to such and such house and he left his house without even eating anything. It looked very bad on the host. And this is still something that remains with the Arabs today. They are very, very good to their guests. This was known even in the times of Jahiliyyah and it continued with them even throughout this day. Go to any Arab's house, you will not be able to leave his house without eating something. So when the Prophet ﷺ said this, I will not eat anything with you. Until you say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. Uqba said, How can I say it? Just eat. He tried to convince him to eat. But the Prophet ﷺ was strict with what he said. He said, No, I'm not going to eat until you say it. And the Prophet ﷺ, his reasoning behind this, he thought that perhaps even if he doesn't believe it, if he says it, maybe it will soften his heart and maybe he will eventually be guided to Islam. As Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib was guided to Islam, right? When he first actually said that he believed in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he said it out of anger. He said to Abu Jahl, Atasubbuhu wa ana ala You dare insult him when I am upon his religion? And he was not upon his religion actually at that time when he said it. But after he said it and he realized what he said, he actually became a Muslim after that, after thinking about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually guided him to Islam. So the Prophet knew that even though Uqbah ibn Abi Mu'ayt, he was not a believer, he thought that, okay, just maybe by saying it, it will soften his heart and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may guide him to Islam. So when Uqbah saw the persistence of the Prophet and he realized that if he doesn't say it, he's really not going to eat and he's going to leave the home without eating anything and this will be a, a big big talk of the town and it will really become a blemish on the reputation of Uqba he said okay okay I'll say it he said Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadar rasulullah and then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said okay now I will eat and then they ate together and while they were eating together Uqba he tried to speak to the Prophet ﷺ for the original purpose that he invited him to try to get him to stop the da'wah of Al-Islam. And of course the Prophet ﷺ didn't listen to anything that he had to say because everything that he was saying was nonsense. So the Prophet ﷺ was adamant that he would not stop this da'wah and that he would continue upon the way that he was upon. So. Uqba realized that, okay, um, you know, there was uh, the purpose of this dinner, uh, the reason why I wanted to speak to him, it really didn't come to anything. And after they finished speaking and they finished eating, they both went their separate ways. 
Now the news traveled amongst the Quraysh that Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt actually said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah, even though he didn't believe it. The news spread amongst the people that he said it. And the best friend of Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt was another one of the heads of the kuffar of the Quraysh. He was a man named Ubay ibn Khalaf. And he was also a staunch enemy of Islam. And he was a close friend of Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt. They were close friends since childhood. So when Uqba, the news that Uqba had said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. When this news reached Ubay ibn Khalaf, Ubay ibn Khalaf confronted his friend Uqba and he said, did you really say it? And then Uqba said, yeah, I said it, but not because I really meant it. I said it because he wasn't going to eat if I didn't say it. And if he didn't eat and he left my house, then what would this do to my reputation? I would be destroyed. So I just said it because of this. You know, I didn't say it because I really believed it. But Ubay was so angry. He said, you actually said it. There is no excuse for you saying it. I will never even speak to you again. I will never even look at your face again unless you redeem yourself by going back to Muhammad وسلم, and you insult him and you spit in his face. You have to go and insult him and you have to spit in his face in front of the people. So Uqba, now he's like, okay, what should I do here? I have to choose now. I either choose to please the kuffar of the Quraysh, these VIPs of the Quraysh, or I choose Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And sadly, Uqba, he made the wrong choice. He made the choice to stay with the kuffar of the Quraysh. So he told Ubay, okay, if that's the only thing that's going to get me back in the good books of the Quraysh, I will do it. So he went to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam while the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was in public in front of the people. Uqba went to him and he spoke to him in a harsh way and he insulted him and at the end he actually spit in the face of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he destroyed himself by doing that. So by doing this the kuffar of the Quraysh they saw that, okay, his allegiance is still to us. His loyalty is still to us. And he got back in their good books again. But the price that he paid for doing this was something that actually would destroy him in this world and in the hereafter. So he actually spit in the face of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So when this happened, it could be seen that the Quraysh were so desperate to find any way to insult the Prophet wasallam, to, to belittle him, to humiliate him. They, they didn't spare any opportunity that they could find to do this. Regarding what Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt did, to the Prophet wasallam, and regarding the choice that he made when he was given a choice, Either 
you side with the kuffar of the Quraysh or you side with the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he made the wrong choice. He sided with the kuffar of the Quraysh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed some ayat regarding this from Surah Al-Furqan. وَيَوْمَ يَعَضُّ الظَّالِمُ عَلَى يَدَيْهِ يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِ اتَّخَذْتُ مَعَ الرَّسُولِ سَبِيلًا يَا وَيْلَتَا لَيْتَنِ لَمْ أَتَّخِذْ فُلَانًا خَلِيلًا لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ جَاءَنِي وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ لِلْإِنسَانِ خَذُولًا On that day, on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, the Zalim, the evildoer, he will be biting his hands. And he will say, I wish I took the path with the messenger. I wish I took a path with the messenger. يَا وَيْلَتَا لَيْتَنِي لَمْ أَتَّخِذْ فُلَانًا خَلِيلًا And I wish I didn't take so-and-so as my friend. So there was a choice here. He could have taken the path with the messenger or he could have taken a path with his evil friends. And he chose the wrong choice. But on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, he will say, I wish I took the path with the messenger and I wish I didn't take such and such person as my friend. Why? He caused me to go astray from the remembrance, from the Quran, from the right path after the remembrance had come to me. After the ayat and the proof had come to me, my friend caused me to go astray from the right path. And surely the shaitan abandons man in his time of need. So this was the wrong choice of Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt. And these were the ayat of Surah Al-Furqan revealed regarding him and anyone who may find themselves ever in a similar situation. You can follow the path of Islam, but you have friends who are trying to get you to follow another path, the path of the shaitan. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the path of the messenger وسلم, or the path of your friends who want to take you away from the path of Allah and his messenger So this, these ayat, there is a lesson in these ayat for us as well. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us always to take the path of the messenger so Ubay ibn Khalaf was very happy that his friend Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt listened to him and insulted the Prophet ﷺ in such an evil way. And Ubay ibn Khalaf, he was no less of an enemy to Islam. And he would go to the Prophet ﷺ and insult him as well. One time Ubay ibn Khalaf, he took some old bones of a body that had died many years ago. So the bones were old and brittle. And you know bones, when they get old and brittle, they can easily be crushed and made into like dust or powder. So he came with one of these old bones to the Prophet And he said, Ya Muhammad, will Allah bring this back to life? This old bone, will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring this back to life? And the Prophet said, yes. And then Ubay ibn Khalaf, he took that bone and he crushed it. And it's very easy to crush those type of brittle bones. He crushed it until it became like a powder. And then he threw that powder into the face of the Prophet Look how, how evil and how bold these people had become in insulting the best of creation, the Prophet Muhammad But nothing was hidden to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing is hidden from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And each and every one of them will get what is coming to them. 
So this is what he did. He showed such disrespect to the Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed regarding this from Surah Yaseen. قَالَ مَنْ يُحْيِي الْعِظَامَ وَهِيَ رَمِيمٌ قُلْ يُحْيِيهَا الَّذِي أَنْشَأَهَا أَوَّلَ مَرَّةِ وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ خَلْقٍ عَلِيمٌ This person he would say, مَنْ يُحْيِي الْعِظَامَ وَهِيَ رَمِيمٌ Who will bring back the bones back to life after they have become so brittle? And the answer to that is, قُلْ يُحْيِيهَا الَّذِي أَنْشَأَهَا أَوَّلَ مَرَّةِ Say that the one who created them in the first place, he is the one who will bring them back to life. When he created them in the first place, he created it out of nothing. And now, he is bringing it back to life. What, what is so hard to understand? قُلْ يُحْيِيهَا الَّذِي أَنْشَأَهَا أَوَّلَ مَرَّةِ The one who created it in the first place, he is the one who's going to bring it back to life. That's your answer. And he has complete knowledge of every one of his creations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the level of disrespect that the Quraysh started to show to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They became completely shameless in their treatment of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Another way they showed their disrespect of the Prophet is they started to instead of throwing their garbage in the dump they would come to the house of the Prophet and keep their garbage in front of his house so they would collect their garbage and they would come to the house of the Prophet and dump it in front of his house so whenever they would slaughter an animal and they would take you know, the intestines and the other parts of the animals that they wanted to throw away. Instead of throwing it away in the junkyard, they would go and throw it in front of the house of the Prophet Every day, the Prophet when he would come out of his house, he would see this garbage in front of his house. And he would say, Is this good? Is this being a good neighbor? Is this the way that you show being a good neighbor? This is not from being a good neighbor but he was very patient and he would just take that garbage with his own blessed hands and he would throw it away and he didn't make a big deal out of it sallallahu alaihi wasallam this was his patience so one day when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was praying he was making salah and he was in sujood and he used to make very long sujood sujood were very long so some of the kuffar of the Quraysh, some of these leaders of the kuffar of the Quraysh, Abu Jahl, Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt, and some of the other leaders of the kuffar of the Quraysh, they were there and they were seeing the Prophet ﷺ and they were watching him pray. And he was in sujood. Nearby, there were some people who had slaughtered a camel. There were some people who had slaughtered a camel and they had taken out the stomach and the intestines and kept it on one side to throw away. So these kuffar of the Quraysh, they see, okay, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is praying, he's in sujood. These people, they just sacrificed or they just slaughtered an, a camel and they took out the intestines and the waste and all of that dirty stuff to throw away and they kept it on the side. So they thought of a plan to humiliate the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So they said amongst themselves, okay, who is going to go and take those intestines and that waste and go and put it on the back of the Prophet while he is making sujood. Who's going to do it? 
So Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt, the same man who spit in the face of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he still felt that he needed to prove his loyalty and his allegiance to the Quraysh. And he thought that this is a good opportunity for them to see that I'm still 100% with them. So he volunteered. He said, I'll do it. I'll do it. So he went and he took those intestines and that waste and that filth. And he went to the Prophet ﷺ who was in sujood, worshipping his Lord. And Uqbah ibn Abi Mu'ayt, the cursed one, he put that filth on the back of the Prophet ﷺ. And once he did it, those other kuffar of the Quraysh who were there who had egged him on to do it, they all started laughing. They started laughing loudly. Like, look, look what we did. They were very proud of themselves for this evil action. And this was done in front of everyone. The people even who had come from outside of Mecca to make pilgrimage, you know, they were all there and they witnessed this happen to the Prophet ﷺ and the kuffar of the Quraysh, they're laughing, enjoying themselves. But nobody went to the Prophet ﷺ to take that filth off of him. Abu Bakr and Umar, they were not there at that time. And of course, if Umar ibn al-Khattab was there, then those people wouldn't have even dared to do such a thing. But they saw, they were cowards, and they saw that this is opportunity. None of his friends are here to do anything, so we can do it. And they went ahead, and they did their evil thing. So nobody went to take that off, that filth off of the Prophet ﷺ, until the news reached the daughter of Rasulullah ﷺ, Fatima radiallahu anha. The people who had witnessed it, they were talking about it, and eventually, the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, Fatima bint Rasulullah ﷺ, she heard what they had done to her father and she came running out. When she heard it, she came running and she saw her father and she saw he was still in sujood and she saw that filth on his back and she, with her own hands, she removed it. And then the Prophet ﷺ got up and he finished his prayer. And when he finished his prayer, he went to those kuffar of the Quraysh. He went and he faced them. And he said, he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said, Allahumma alayka bi Quraysh. Allahumma alayka bi Quraysh. Allahumma alayka bi Quraysh. Allahumma alayka bi Abi Jahl ibn Hisham. Allahumma alayka bi Shayba. Ibn Rabi'ah, Allahumma alayka bi'utbah, Ibn Rabi'ah, Allahumma alayka bi'uqbah, Ibn Abi Mu'ayt. And he started mentioning these names, by names of these people, these heads of the kuffar of the Quraysh. And they got scared. They got scared that he's actually making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to destroy these people. He's making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala against these people by name. And those who witnessed this event happen, one of the narrators said that, Wallahi, every single one that he named in that dua, I saw all of their bodies dead on the day of Badr. The battle of Badr that was to happen after the Hijrah to Medina, that was the first battle between the Muslims and the Kuffar. This narrator, he mentions that everyone that the Prophet ﷺ named in that dua, he saw their dead bodies on the ground on the day of Badr. So this is the acceptance of the dua of Rasulullah ﷺ by Allah subhanahu 
وتعالى. So this was the situation of the Muslims in Mecca, still going through so much difficulty and so many hardships. So the Hijrah to Habasha, it continued. So many people, they had made the Hijrah to Al-Habasha until there were 83 Muslims who had made this Hijrah. 83 Muslims had left Mecca and migrated to Habasha. And only a few Muslims remained in Mecca. A limited number of Muslims remained in Mecca, but a large number of them had migrated to Al-Habasha, where they could live peacefully. So 83 of them were there in Al-Habasha. Shortly after this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed a beautiful surah to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's the surah that we recited in Salatul Isha, Surah Al-Najm, Wal-Najmi Iza Hawa. Very beautiful surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this surah to his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the last part of the surah, the last part of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions some of his attributes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes himself. وَأَنَّ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ الْمُنْتَهَىٰ وَأَنَّهُ هُوَ أَضْحَكَ وَأَبْكَىٰ وَأَنَّهُ هُوَ أَمَاتَ وَأَحْيَىٰ وَأَنَّهُ خَلَقَ الزَّوْجَيْنِ الذَّكَرَ وَالْأُنْثَىٰ مِن نُطْفَةٍ إِذَا تُمْنَىٰ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this surah to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this description, this description of himself, description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the end of this surah, at the end of surah al-Najm is an ayah of sajda. So the Prophet wasallam he recited the surah and the kuffar of the Quraysh, they were all there listening to it. Abu Jahl and the other leaders of the Quraysh listening to the Prophet wasallam recite this beautiful surah loudly, publicly. And everyone is just amazed by the beauty of the Quran. They're unable to do anything except listen. So when the Prophet ﷺ gets to the end of the surah, the last ayah, the ayah of sajda, the Prophet ﷺ makes sujood and everyone who was listening, they also make sujood. The Muslims and the kuffar. Abu Jahl even he made sujood. They were so affected by the Quran. Not because they believed, but they were just so affected by it that they automatically went into sujood. They couldn't even control their own bodies and they went into sujood. So when this news that all of the Quraysh, they heard the Prophet ﷺ recite and they all made sujood, this news, it spread. And not the whole details of the news, but just the news that, yeah, the Prophet ﷺ read Quran and the kuffar of the Quraysh, they all made sujood with him. This limited piece of the story, it reached the Muslims in Al-Habasha. It reached the Muslims who were there in Al-Habasha. And what do you think they thought when they heard this? The Prophet ﷺ recited Quran and he made sujood and all of the Quraysh, those people who were kuffar, they made sujood as well. It means the Quraysh has accepted Islam, alhamdulillah. This is what they thought. So they actually, a number of them left Al-Habasha and they came back to Mecca because they thought that, okay, now it's okay. Everyone has become a Muslim. But when they came near Mecca, they realized the reality of the situation. 
that they actually had not accepted Islam, but they were just so affected by the beauty of the Quran that they couldn't control themselves from making sujood when they heard it. Subhanallah. So now Abu Jahl, after seeing all this and seeing that even the heads of the kuffar of the Quraysh, they can't control them their own selves when they hear the Quran, he said, okay, we need to take some drastic measures now to end this, to end the da'wah of the Prophet Muhammad So he finally devised a plan. He said, okay, this is what we're going to do. He gathered the heads of the Quraysh and he said, why can't we, what is the reason that is stopping us from physically harming the Prophet Muhammad or killing him? What is the reason that is preventing us from doing this? And they said, his family, he is under the protection of his, his family. They are protecting him. The tribes of his family will protect him. So we can't get near him. He said, okay, so those tribes that are protecting him, we will arrange an economic and social boycott against those tribes who are protecting Muhammad So we have to agree that none of us will buy anything from them. None of us will sell anything to them. None of us will have any type of dealings or business transactions with them whatsoever. None of us will marry our daughters to them and none of us will accept their daughters for marriage to our sons. So a complete economic and social boycott to the tribes that were protecting the Prophet Muhammad This was the brainchild of Abu Jahl and it really really caused great difficulty to the Muslims for three years they had to remain patient upon that inshallah next week we will speak more about the boycott